Hola y bienvenidos a Peruvians of USA, peruanos de Estados Unidos, un podcast en español, inglés y spanglish donde compartimos las diversas historias del inmigrante peruano, sus luchas y sus logros, y también exploramos lo que significa ser peruano en otro país. Mi nombre es Natalie Sofía y soy una chica peruana que vive en los Estados Unidos por más de 20 años. Welcome to Peruvians of USA, the podcast in Spanish, English, and Spanglish, where we share the diversity of the Peruvian immigrant experience in the U.S. We will share the struggles and the victories, as well as explore what it means to be Peruvian in another country. My name is Natalie Sofia, a fellow Peruvian living in the U.S. for more than 20 years. So let's get started. Welcome, Sylvia, to Peruvians of USA. I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with me today about your personal Peruvian immigrant story. Welcome to Peruvian of USA. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Natalie. Yeah, my name, just a quick intro to, to the awesome audience that you have here, myself included. Um, you know, my name is Celia Orellana. Well, you should be, that's my, my married name. I, Silvia Ruiz was my maiden name. Um, so I'm a mother of four, uh, four boys, uh, which is kind of ironic because my parents always just wanted to have boys, but they only had two girls. <laughs> so I guess I got the gene for that part. Um, but yeah, so I'm a professional here um, in cybersecurity. You know, I work with the government. And also as one of my passion projects is um, I'm a president of a nonprofit called Fundación Puro Peru that I'm very proud of. And maybe we can talk about it a little bit later. But thank you again. This is, I think this is a really awesome project that you're doing um, to, you know, to capture our tales of many of the Peruvian immigrants coming here. Thank you. Yes, and we'll definitely talk about Fundación um, Puro Peru. Um, so just to give the audience a little bit of a background as to how you and I have met. Um, so I came to the U.S. in the 90s, and as um, every immigrant family, we didn't know anything. We didn't know the educational <laughs> system here in the U.S. Um, and so my dad and your dad met when they worked in a golf course. Mm -hmm. Like um, I think they cut grass together, and so they met there. And I always heard, you know, about... Uh, su hija, su hija Silvia, you know, she's doing so good in school. And so I always heard stories of you that I'm sure your dad shared with my dad and my dad shared with my with me. And so he knew that, uh, you know, being the oldest, I just didn't really have a lot of guidance here in the U.S. And so eventually they introduced us, um, mm -hmm. you know, as kids. And um, you were ahead a couple of years in school. So you were a lot more knowledgeable about what I should be expecting from an education perspective. And so like, that's how Sylvia and I met. We met through our parents. Um, she was definitely a pivotal person who helped me navigate the education system here in the US. Her dad was also a pivotal person who helped my family navigate the education system here in the US. Um, and so just for that, like I've said it before, and I'll say it again, I, I really do thank you and I really do appreciate it because, uh, you know, even at a young age, you literally changed the trajectory of my life for like that mentorship that you gave me as well as like the mentorship that your father uh, gave me. So thank you. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, I wanted to let the audience a little bit and know a little bit of how, how we met. And thank you for introducing and in, introducing yourself. I also think it's uh, amazing that your work in cybersecurity is such an important thing that's happening now, especially more than ever. Uh, so maybe we can touch upon that as well. 
All right, but we'll start with your childhood, right? Oh, so, <laughs> not so long ago. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm so young. <laughs> so we'll start with your childhood. You were born in Peru and you came here. Like, tell us a little bit about your childhood in Peru. What do you remember? Uh, yeah, like, I'm curious about, like, what do you remember about Peru and growing up there? So it's funny because it's like a two-parter in, in when I was in Peru because my dad finished his, actually, his master's in Mexico, in DFA. So I actually migrated to Mexico, Mexico City, for about two years, when I was three years old. So I actually was there two years. I went to school there. I did the whole Mexicans thing, right? I was, I guess I was pretending to be Mexican. But then that's when my sister was born in, um, in Mexico. So then we came back to, to Lima, and I think I was around five. So from five to like nine, that's where my, I guess, my Peruvian experience comes. Um, you know what? I was little, and I think I had a really good, good childhood because I had my cousins and my family there that I don't remember much about the 90s in Peru. Um, many of us have been through, you know, Sendero Luminoso and everything else. The very few things that I remember in Lima is the fact that, you know, había apagones, like blackouts. Oh my God, blackouts left and right. And I guess maybe because I lived, my house was in San Martin de Porras, which is really close to El Aeropuerto, right? The airport mm -hmm. nearby. I don't know, it was a targeted area, but I felt like we lived in blackout city, right? All the time. So that's one of my, I guess, significant part of it from, from the 90s. The other thing that I do remember um, was making lines to buy things. Bread lines, right, what we call them. Um, I literally stand in line, go get bread. Now, I wasn't, I wasn't sure what the money situation was. You know, I just went like, oh, I'm not compra pan, right? You go get a line to get your bread for, for like lonche, for tea time or whatever when we call it. And, and that was really it. I mean, um, I think I was really sheltered by my family to not to feel the other negative things that was happening in the 90s in Lima. Um, I've seen movies, even La, La Nueva Película, right? La Identidad. I, can, I remember that. I, I remember seeing those things, but I don't think I ever felt that like, oh my God, this is so bad that it's going to happen to me. Mm -hmm. So in Lima, I was what? Between nine years up to, I'm sorry, from five to nine. So it was about four years, really. So I finished third grade in Lima. And then my dad, by that time, my dad had already migrated to, to D.C., and so did my mom. So my dad came and picked and picked me up, right, in a way, to move to the United States when I was nine going into 10. So, and that was hard because, because my sister was born in, in Mexico. Her citizenship wasn't Peruvian. So our legal status or, like, you know, for, to travel over to the United States, it didn't match up with my sister. So our last, you know, move, leaving over to, to travel to the United States, it was, it was pretty sad, you know? Oh man, I'm getting emotional. <laughs> um, because my dad had to tell my sister, you can't come with us. Yeah, that's, that's very hard. I, I also experienced that separation of family. We all came individually. We did, right? And then I'm not the only one. We're not the only ones. Um, migrating over, it was very, very hard. Not just for our family, but myself individually as a 10-year-old. 
Right. You know, how do you face a whole new culture with very little family? I mean, I have my parents, but I didn't have, you know, your uncles, your aunts, your cousins to guide you through it. Right. But, you know, reflecting on, on what they did, it was very brave of them. Right. To drop everything, move to a whole new country, not know the language, but yet we are the example of what they did. Mm-hmm. This is what we're doing now. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely takes a lot of courage. I mean, on the first episode, I talked to Vanessa, who came here to the US as a young adult, and she said that was difficult. She can only imagine how difficult it is for parents to bring their kids and, and to have that separation with your children. So, mm-hmm. just, so just so I understand, so you, your mom, your dad, and you came together, the three of you? So my dad came first, I think oh. probably in 89. Okay. My mom came a year later, 90. So my sister and I were left behind with my grandparents okay. for about a year. And what was that like for you? Do you, did you? Oh, remember? that was tough too. Because I didn't have my parents around. I had my aunt, but I couldn't call mom to anybody. You know, I didn't have her. I didn't have my, my dad. Mm-hmm. And we were very close from the very beginning. So it was hard. Then when my dad comes and picks me up, thinking that I'm thinking it's both of us taking us back to see my mom, it didn't work out. So unfortunately, my sister didn't get her, you know, her visa for about six years. Wow. So I didn't really like live with my sister. I grew up with my sister for about six years until she came. Mm-hmm. But by the time she came over, I think I was already like a ninth grader. So all my like elementary and middle school years, I was really like an only child, yeah. which is probably why my dad spent so much time with me. <laughs> and then we can segue into the education part. But yeah, and then I'm pretty sure it was tough for her too. You know, a lot of um, immigrant kids feel that abandonment right. sentiment. Right. And it's not because they were like literally abandoned. It's just right. the situation was right. Yeah. So it's uh, interesting that I didn't know your mom had come, you know, before you did. And I remember when my mom came here and she left me with my grandmother in Peru. And I call that the first heartbreak I had, like watching my mom get in a car and leave. And like, I am trying my hardest not to get emotional as I'm saying this because, um, yeah, like seeing your mother leave. And, and also for a mom, it's so hard to, oh, yeah. to leave behind your child. Um, I guess one question I had, do you remember your last day in Peru before you got here? You know, honestly, I don't. I don't remember. I guess because the day before was the more emotional one, because that's when my dad talked to my sister and I about what's happening the next day. Um, the one thing maybe that I can think of is like, every time I've been to the airport in Lima, it's like a party, like todo familia, right? Everybody goes, <laughs> wish you well, right? Like all of them go. And it's like, and you have to be there like at least three hours before your flight. So you're there chilling for like three hours with your family. And, and I'm pretty sure that's probably what happened. And I don't think, I, I'm pretty, it was a pretty sad, you know, goodbye. But I don't remember anything like crying a lot. It was just like, okay, it's happening. And let me just spend time with them right now. How old were you? 
I think I was not, no, nine. Yeah. Nine, I turned okay. 10 when I came to the United States. Okay. And so what was, what were you telling yourself in terms of like, what's happening? Like, I guess the one thing that might've been constant would have been just, okay, I get to see my mom. But did I know what was happening? Did I know what's about to happen? <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> I would have turned back. I think it was funny too, because I think I came to the United States like in Nero, January of 91. My dad told me, oh, school starts in September over there. Because in Lima, I think it starts in March, so like in March or something, I forget. But so I'm like, oh, that's cool. So from January all the way to September, I'm not going to do nothing because they're already <laughs> supposed to start it, right? Like they right. Wanna, they're not going to pull me in there halfway. No, I still went. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was two weeks later, I think I started school. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I also came in January. That's so funny. We came in the same, uh, in the same month. So what was that? first year for you here in the U.S. Do you, do you remember what, um, what were your sort of reactions to the country? You know, cause in Peru, when you see American movies, you see like home alone type yeah. of movies, right? So, so what were your first reactions? Do you remember your first thought, your first thought? Oh my God. The first thing I think I, as we got picked up and drove around, right. I think they're like, Oh my God, look how many trees. Cause I didn't see any trees in Lima. And if there were, they were like about to fall apart, you know? We're not really like a green city, but um, there were a lot of trees. Everything, there was grass. Everything was nicely kept. It was clean. So, yeah, it was like, okay, this is the this United is States. This is America, just like in the movies. Um, but as far as my first year here, I do remember my first day in school. That was interesting. And actually, in a good, in a good sense, I started school on Valentine's Day. So I think probably like two weeks prior, my dad went to enroll me and I didn't know any of this stuff. Right. I went to enroll me. And when they told teacher like, Oh, you're getting a new student and she's coming in on this day. She let the, the other students, the class like, Hey, we have a new student coming on this day. Let's make Valentine's day class for her too. So like elementary school, you know, you get a little, like a little bag, which is your uh, Valentine's mailbox. Right. And you get your Valentine's in there. So I write, you know, I get ready and it's dead winter because it's February. And then my mom like, you know, double pants, double shirt, right? Because I'm coming from Lima. I don't know anything about the cold. It's freaking cold that time. So I'm riding the bus and I get there and they start talking to me in a little bit of Spanish, but it's mostly in English. And I'm like, yeah, okay. You're, you're telling me something, but I don't understand you, right? So I'm just like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Right. And then they sit me down. They're like, oh, look, here's your bag. I'm assuming that's what they said. I don't remember. Right. Because I don't right. understand the language. <laughs> right. But like, here's your bag. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's so nice of them. It has my name on it. And they said, welcome, Sylvia. Or, you know, happy Valentine's Day. And I'm like, oh, that is so cute. You know, this is they're really nice. And then so we start the day. Then we do math. So I was already. I finished third grade in Lima. I came here, but because I failed the English test, because I didn't know any English, right. of course, they set me back. Yep. So yep. I, I started third grade again. It, it halfway, right? Because it was already half through the year. So I started third grade. All their math that they were doing, I was like, oh, this is easy. I know how to do this. So I'm like, oh, you know, doing my stuff. Then I get to the English or social studies portion, right, of the day. 
And I'm like, okay, yeah, I have no idea what I'm doing here. So what the teacher did, and I don't know it was bad of her or just to, you know, pass time, but she's like, Sylvia, so she sat me down in one of the desks and she gave me coloring books and crayons. So I was like, okay. And to me, I'm like, you think I'm just going to sit here and color while you are teaching that? You know, I kind of feel bad. You know, I was like, does she not think I, I would not understand? I mean, yeah, I don't understand, but like maybe I could follow along, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I felt like a little bit like deflated, right? That I'm back to coloring. And I don't know if that was like, you know, it wasn't ill-spirited. I, I get that. Mm-hmm, but maybe mm-hmm. she just didn't know what to do in right. the meantime for myself, right? right. Um, but yeah, that was a very poignant not thinking back I'm like hmm, maybe she should have done something different mm. yeah know? and so at that moment you said you just felt a little deflated like you you like maybe you're like oh man I'm reversing I'm going back right like but I do have to um I also have a very similar experience where I came here and um I had finished fourth grade but again didn't know English I came in January kind of halfway through the year and they were like you're going back to fourth grade um, and I remember in Peru, I was already doing raíces cuadradas, right? Yeah. As, a, as a fourth grader, I was doing raíces cuadradas, which is like square roots. I was already learning about square roots in fourth grade in Peru. And I went to a public school in Peru. I didn't go to private school. <coughs> Excuse me. And, um, and I came here and I went to math class and the kids were learning the times table, which is like, you know, and like the five and it was like five times five, 25, five times right. 30. And I was just blown away where I was like, wow, I'm actually smarter than the kids here in math. Uh-huh. Um, so I do have to say in that sense, I, I did appreciate the education, not at that moment, maybe, but I, I did uh, later on, I did appreciate the education in Peru of just like how hard they drilled math. Mm-hmm. At least that was my experience. Um, I guess one question, one follow-up in terms of like that first year that you were here, what was the ESOL or like English as a second language experience for you? Um, what, how did you feel like, how did you learn to read? How did you learn to speak? I mean, obviously kids pick it up faster yeah. than adults, but I am curious, what were your, your methods? Cause you were old enough to, you know, think about it. But young, mm-hmm. but young enough to pick it up really quickly. So I'm just curious. Yeah, I think I came in a sweet spot, you know, like I wasn't too young or too old. Like I wasn't a middle schooler or high schooler. But um, ESO was interesting. So again, I don't know if change, right? Um, I only spent two years in ESO. I think I graduated by fifth grade. But the community that I was in, it was majority, you know, white, Caucasian and Jewish people in Montgomery County there were very, very few Latinos. So COC, I had to assimilate, right? I had to keep up with what's going on. My English, my ESOL teacher, um, he knew a little bit of Spanish, enough to like communicate, you know, a little bit that he knew. Um, But it was all in English. My ESOL class, I think I was the only Latina. There were Asians. Indians and and so on, but there weren't any other um, Latinos. So I was really on my own. Um, what really helped me on, like learn the language a little faster was my dad. He, I think the first maybe six months that I had homework, he would sit with me 
homework was not fun because we would translate the handout, do the homework, wow. and then translate back. Wow. Yeah, it was not fun at all. Math, great. I mean, there's, math is universal, right? We can do that. English, science, reading, uh-uh. We had and we and it was it was tough because I had to learn in both languages and also to help my dad understand what the homework was about so he can help me or what I needed to do. So yeah, he had like a I guess a part-time job just teaching me, sitting with me, translating. All right, this is what they want you to do. Let's do it in Spanish and now let's do it in English, you know. Um it helped be keeping up with the language. Yeah. Um, but it was not fun at all. Double the work. You're doing the work both in <laughs> yes. English and Spanish. Exactly. <laughs> so I was like, oh my God. But I think that's that's what the reason was. You know, I had to I had to get the homework done. Like there was no not doing homework. Like you right. had to get homework. You had to get good grades. It's always been the case. Education is a priority for my parents. Um and because I was the only child for six years. They put all that energy and effort on me. Yeah, yeah. So like, what else is good for me to do? Well, right. I mean, I also dance Peruvian dances on the right. side, right? But, right. but besides that, I didn't do any like extracurricular activities. I didn't know anything about that. I think I signed up for one like gymnastics class, but because I didn't, we didn't have a car in order to get to this gym class, I had, we had to take a bus. So while we're taking on the bus, on the bus right there, I was doing my homework with my dad translating. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, so all the American things to do, you know, soccer and stuff, I didn't do because I one, I didn't know about it and my right. parents didn't. So all that extra time, it was me learning the language, reading, reading helps, mm-hmm. reading helps a lot. Unfortunately, I didn't watch much TV. My dad didn't like it. My mom would watch novelas and I'm like, oh my God, let's watch it together. Nope. That, that was not a no, that was a no, no. And um, so, yeah, that's really it. I mean, eventually two years in, I tested out. I was in fifth grade, um, I think spring. They were like, yeah, Sylvia, you learned everything we can teach you. <laughs> and wow. wow. And I'm like, oh, great, thanks. Yeah. So then I went into middle school for sixth grade. And then I found out, about, my dad actually found out about the magnet program. He's like, you're going to do that. Yeah. So tell us about that. And also tell us like, why, what do you think was driving your dad to be so focused on education? And so, and so like to push you, I mean, I know you mentioned that you're, you were kind of the only child for one year, Mm -hmm. but, uh, and I'm just going to be straight honest about this. Like Latinos, at least in my experience, you know, our parents don't push us academically as much as like. Uh, you know, perhaps for my Asian friends where I see my oh, Asian yeah. friends, like their, their parents are like a lot more uh, adamant about, mm-hmm. you know, doing well in school. Uh, but I think one of the things, again, that I appreciated from you and your dad, and, and, and it was such a positive influence on me was that the fact that you, you and your dad were so focused on education. So tell us, tell us like, what, why do you think your dad was like that? Um, honestly, I don't know. I mean, he did get a master's. <laughs> okay. So, so I think he, he knew because he, he was at a very humble beginnings, right? Um, 
I remember him telling me that, you know, when he went to university or college, he didn't have money for lunch. So all he ate was like pan y platano, right? The things that barely he could get by. So he, he foresaw that the only way out would be education. Um, my mom was the same way. She, she got her college degree in Lima and then she did, she did everything and anything for my dad to get his master's scholarship, right? To go, because he went to uh, La Unan in Mexico to get, to finish up his master's. So they were so focused in education. Um, but I don't know. And then at that time, I had no idea because to me, education was the normal. Like, this is what you do. Like, like my parents, they say, we work, you study. If you don't want to study, then you got to work. Which one do you want, right? Um, I study, like, I think I kind of backfire on my mom, though, because instead of me, like, cooking or cleaning, I was studying. So now I'm like, I don't know how to cook. <laughs> You're like, you don't want me to cook. <laughs> like, well, you know, that's what happened. Um, but yeah, so, and now reflecting on it, and it was funny because I got to college. I spent almost four years at University of Maryland. Then I got pregnant. So I didn't finish. I didn't finish my degree. And my dad was devastated. But that time, my dad was still alive mm -hmm. at that time. Mm -hmm. And then, so then my son was born, my oldest was born, and my dad passed away a couple, like, a, I think three months after. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was, it was such a weird coincidence. Yeah. It's a weird coincidence that this month, this week, it's been 15 years since my dad passed away. Oh, wow. So I think it's all meant to be for some reason. So I had my son. I didn't have a degree. I didn't finish. Um, and then I moved in with my husband's family and I did, you know, I'm like, I need to get a job. So I got a front desk job and I'm like, okay, $8 an hour. Okay. It will be fine. My husband at the time, you know, it was my fiance. He works. He'll provide too. Little did I know like $8, $10 an hour was not going to raise my kid. I was like, oh, no. And then I was like, I need to go back and finish. So I think my son was three. I went, by that time, I was, I'm living in Virginia now, so not in Maryland. I go back to school. And because I was doing engineering at the time at Maryland, girl, I went through every engineering branch. None of them stick. Like, I I'm not an engineer. You were not passionate about it. And, and I, I actually have a comment about that. Like after you're done, go ahead. Okay. I started, okay. Well, I want to tell you, I went through every single, like, okay. I started with computer science because oh, I like computers, right? Nope. Wrong thing. Okay. Let's do computer engineering, right? Nope. Oh, let's go to electrical engineering. Nope. I think at the end, I think I finally fit like, you know, last attempt was like fire protection engineering. So I won't lose my engineering credits, but I, it was, it was a lost cause. So I had my break with my son, right? And then I went back. And then that's when I found IT, information technology. And I'm like, oh, I get this. Like this clicks in my head. Like, I don't, I don't feel dumb and like, you have to study for this. Like, I get it. So then that turned into cybersecurity and that's where I got my, my bachelor's 
from George Mason. But I actually had to live the fact that I had I was earning eight to ten dollars an hour to realize, and even though my parents kept telling me, hey, you need an education, that you're not going to survive. You're gonna barely make it by yourself and even with your family. Now, you know, it's been like almost 10, 15 years, four kids later. <laughs> so yeah, thank God I have my degree. But um, I guess full circle, my parents always knew, especially my dad, always knew that I had to get an education. And I'm kind of I'm kind of glad I didn't know that you looked up to me on that because <laughs> it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure. And you're not the only one. There were other friends that they tell me or their parents like, you know, because of your dad and because what he did for you, my kid is doing whatever he's doing. And I'm like, oh, thank you. That's great. You know, um, but at the end of the day, yeah, the only thing that I've seen us succeed here as immigrants, it's either being an entrepreneur or having an education. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think that is the way um, this country is set up, you know, like it's either education or entrepreneurship. Um, I mean, props to you for going through all of that, you know, and uh, deciding to complete your degree. Um, I can only imagine that how tough that was for your dad. And, and I guess I am curious if you if, if you, um, how you manage that conversation, because I, I you know, and, and in Peru, I can only, I mean, I can only imagine like, um, how tough it was for him, for your parents, especially when they put so much in us, mm -hmm. you know, and sometimes we feel like we're not living up to their expectations of us. And like, you ask yourself, well, what else can I do? Like, you know, yeah. and, and, but we also are our own our own person and we got to live our own experiences. And I think what I gathered from your story is that that's what you did, you know, like your parents, they inculcaron, el, you know, el amor al estudio and, and all of that. But like, you still had to live your own experiences to make your own conclusions and, and define your own path. But um, again, I think it's wonderful that you, you, you still went and got your degree and you were like, you know what? I'm, I learned my lesson. Yeah. <laughs> sure did. Now I'm going to go get my degree. Yeah. So I, um, so yeah, I think that's great, but I am curious, uh, before uh -huh. I tell you, why did you want it to stick even with engineering at all? Cause I was stubborn and it, you know what I did at the end of the day, it was to please my parents. It is what it is. Right. They, like you said, they put so much effort into you, into everything that you do. You, you, you know, they, everything revolves around you that I have to, I have to show something for it. You know, <laughs> I, I actually moved on campus at University of Maryland, which is what, like 40 minute, like commute from my house because I wanted to get out of my house and live that life. Oh, my I parents, hear that. <laughs> you know? Because our parents, I don't, at least my parents were super strict, super strict. So I was like, oh my God, this is my way out. <laughs> I'm like, and I don't know what, how I convinced my parents to be like, like, I need to live on campus. I want to do a great job if I live on campus. And they're like, uh, I don't know. It's like, don't worry. You'll pick me up on Saturday morning. We'll spend the weekend together. And then that's it. You're fine. Right? So that it worked out like he's like okay fine granted i had scholarships for the tuition 
I didn't have scholarships for boarding. So my expenses were loans so I could live on campus. Um, in a way, it worked out because all my middle school and high school years, I felt so alone because I didn't fit with the group of people in my school. One, because I was in honors classes. And two, again, no Latinos in my community. So I was like in a limbo, right? Yeah, I can fit with you guys and hang out, but really I, I can't. You guys don't understand my culture and I don't understand you guys. So that was tough. So those, you know, those two sets of years were tough. I get to college and man, did I find my tribe. My friends, they were just like me, right? They were honor students, they were bilingual, um, and I'm still friends with them. Yeah. And, and that's real. Like finding your tribe is so important. And, and, and I remember you focused so much on school and yeah. you were, and, and, you know, and I understand why parents do it, but as kids, as, as people, we also need that balance where we, we need a, a friend and I'm sure like your tu hermana te faltó durante esos oh, años, yeah. right? So like you were looking for like, who's my yeah. sister, right? Who's exactly. my, who's I my have a sister, yeah. but She's not here. Right. And when she came, again, we haven't like had a relationship for six years. And that she was already in middle school. I was in about to finish high school. It's like we were strangers. Yeah. So that's why I got to on campus. I met all these people that were like, you know, just have my same experience. Mm -hmm. Right. And then we bonded. And man, did I have a great time <laughs> in every sense of the word, right? And I'm like, I'm telling my oldest, I'm like, you need to go live on campus. I don't care. You got to go live on campus. Because at the end of the day, that's how I became independent. Because my parents did everything for me. I needed something, they would get it. I mean, I had good grades. They, would, they can't say no. Like, what? There's nothing like I could not do, right? Right, right, right. So... I went on campus. I was so independent. It was funny because I don't know if you ever had the meal plan at school, but at the time I was growing, I ate, I, I be a, a really heavy eater. Like I will eat a lot. Oh, I remember. I think that's from your dad. Your dad was also a heavy eater. <laughs> yeah, I guess, but I will, I could spend hours eating and I love eating. Right. So then my, my mom was like, okay, well, how does this meal plan work? And I'm like, there's like three tiers. Right. I was like, okay. And I'm like, I think you should get me the highest tier just in case. I don't want to go starve, you know? So it's like, okay, we'll get you the highest tier, which is like you can eat at any time, any of the dining halls, right? But I didn't realize that the first year, on fresh, well, at least freshman year when I started, the first two weeks, the dining halls are not open till late. Oh, wow. So my, my, my dinner time, in a way, right? At home was between like eight or nine. Like we will eat really late. I guess typical Burano, like we will eat really late because I will go to sleep at 10 or something. But at school at Maryland, I think they closed the dining hall at six. So I will go eat, but I wouldn't eat a lot because I wouldn't be too hungry. And then I'm like eight o'clock and I'm like, shoot, I'm really starving. I don't have anything in my dorm. Like I didn't like, you know, pack. So I'm like calling my grandma. I'm like, Abuelita, they closed the dining hall. What am I going to eat? He's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Why did your parents tell you this? He's like, I'm going to call your dad to take me. I'm like, 
no, it's okay, it's far, you know? And then my dad is like, no, you gotta figure it out. You're on your own now. Like, you're not gonna die. I mean, you'll find something the next day. But it's okay to go hungry for a little bit, you know? And then that's funny, because my, my mom and my grandma were like, oh my God, we gotta go over there right now and drop her some food. And my dad's like, no, she'll be fine. It's okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm like here crying, like, I need some guys. Mm-hmm. That's typical moms, you know, Peruvian mom wants to like uh, feed you and definitely yeah. solve your problem. But the reason I mentioned that your dad was a heavy eater, because I remember my dad would say things like, um, so they worked in the same place as, as mentioned. And so my dad will like, during lunch hour, we'll bring out su taper, you know, and like, oh, bring, yeah, yeah, bring yeah. out the food. But she would, he would tell me, like, your dad had like tres tapers, like su sopa, su segundo. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, and like, your dad was like also very thin. And so my yeah, dad would be yeah. like, ¿Dónde lo pone? Like, where does that? I know, <laughs> I know. I mean, I got a little bit of the jeans still, <laughs> but nah, not as much. That's... But yeah, I don't know how he did it. He always was slim and slim trim with the, his whole life. Mm-hmm. He did a lot of sports. He played soccer. He did, yeah. Until yeah. the very end. So that was good. That helped him. But yeah, um, but college was college was interesting. I would no, say. And, and, and you grow a lot in college. Um, with the whole engineering, um, it's funny you, you bring that up because um, I decided my major of uh, being engineering because of you. <laughs> and and I had a similar experience so because um so one thing I do want to highlight and I I want you to highlight it as well so your dad knew all these scholarships that you could apply to as as a Latina as a person majoring in engineering these scholarships for Latinas uh, who were major in engineering was like just endless, right? And so I remember he had this binder. He had this binder with a list, a, a printout. And okay, guys, like now you can find all of this in Google, right? But we're talking yeah, yeah, about Google. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> so, way Google, yeah, yeah, yeah. So this was a two-inch binder and it had like folletos. It had like flyers of every scholarship you could think of anywhere from like, are you majoring in engineering to like, do you are you a lefty like you you know no, you write there were some very specific scholarships yeah and some very random ones too mm-hmm. like like write an essay and we'll give you like five hundred dollars and yeah. so and I remember um when I got to um I think it was like 11th grade you know um yeah, I went to talk to your dad, uh, you know, and like, we didn't live super close, but my dad would always, that's something that I do. I am thankful for my dad, to my dad. He always drove me to your house and like, it didn't matter if it took like an hour. And if I had a question again, I know there was a phone, but there's something about him. Right. Mm-hmm. And your dad showed me this binder. And I, I think you were in college already. He showed me this binder and he's like, all right, you're getting to that age where you need to apply to scholarships. You need to think about university. Here you go. And he gave me your binder. He gave me that binder. binder. Yes. He gave me that binder. And he's like, this is everything I know about scholarships. You applied to it. And so I literally went page by page and I applied to all those scholarships. Um, and because he told me you were major in engineering and that opened your world to like a lot of opportunities and a lot of scholarships. Cause I was like, there's no way my parents can pay for college for me. Mm-hmm. Like that's just not a reality. And so I have to figure it out myself and I have to apply to all the scholarships I can. And so 
I was but what like, pressure though? And I was like, well, that's Sylvia. the thing. <laughs> I was like, Sylvia's majoring in engineering. I'm going to uh, major. I'm going to be like her and I'm just going to major in engineering as well. So that's why I ended she up did it. Why can't I? Uh-huh. <laughs> Good thing we didn't talk then. <laughs> I know. And um, I ended up going to Smith College. I, I majored in engineering. But afterwards, I was like, you know what? This is not for me. <laughs> I ended Girl. up going to IT as well. So that's so oh, funny. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah, so we're so the same. Mm-hmm. Oh, look at that. See, <laughs> it worked out. It, it worked out. out. As long as we're professionals. Yes. Um, so one question I do want to ask about your either your high school experience or your college experience, or even you can bring up uh, maybe mm-hmm. your experience in the workforce is, have you experienced discrimination in some way? Uh, when you were in college or high school, I mean, I have my own thoughts on that. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it was from, you know, um, uh, people here, Americans, or even other Latinos, because sometimes that happens. Yeah. Um, honestly, there's very, very few discrimination events that happened to me. Um, okay, you might see my kid coming in a second. But the one that kind of comes to my mind was in high school. I went to, hey, look, it's my son. All right, Hello. go ahead. Okay, he might have to join us for a sec. Okay, that's okay. <laughs> I'm still a mom. All right, so to the audience, we just have a baby on the call as well. It's COVID time, okay? <laughs> yeah. They, they pop in, in and out. Yeah. What's his name? Uh, Adrian. Right, Adrian? Adrian? so um oh yeah so in college no sorry high school right I went to this again another like STEM class for Latinos at GW and in there there was one kid a Saboreño um who you know we became close so we used to hang out and we went to Best Buy one day he was wearing a backpack and I was just you know with him looking around and in a way he was a stereotypical long t-shirts at the time not working papa um they had shorts you know so i didn't know the the best buy employees were following us so we were going to the cd area right back then there were cds where you can like listen to Mm -hmm. (laughs) and i think i was holding a cd and i think i had uh, a magazine on top of it and i was just carrying it because i was thinking of buying it maybe or something And then one of the employees approached me and he's like, can I see where you put the CD? I was like, why? Because I just want to know where you put the CD. I was like, it's right here. It's like, oh, okay, okay, that's good. Thank you. And then he walked away. So I was like, oh, okay. And then they did the same thing to my friend. They're following us and they're profiling us. Yeah. Oh, yeah. because they couldn't see where we, where, you know, like the merchandise that we were carrying around. Right. It was not visible to them. And plus, he had a backpack, so they think like, oh, we put it, throw it in. Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. The other instance was, we actually got st- with the same guy. <laughs> we got stopped by the police. I think he was. I don't know what happened. Uh, he's like, well, where are you guys from? And I'm like, oh, I'm from Germantown. I live down the street. He's like, no, 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 but where are you really from? I was, and I'm like, yeah, Thermodel. Want to see my ID? I mean, he's like, oh, okay, no, don't worry about it. Um, you guys are fine. You guys, you know, you guys can go. So all along, I mean, it's a profiling part of it, right? That they, they always, they stopped us for. And I knew where he was going with that question. 
or where I was from, but I wasn't going to give him what he wanted. Because I right. mean, hey, right. what does I have to do with what you stopped me for? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 my and that point, my friend at that point, that's normal for him. He's like, I get asked oh, all wow. the time. Wow. All the time. So I was like, okay. And and to me, it was very very disheartening, you know, right. to get singled out. Um, I'm in a supervisory role. Yeah. And I look kind of young for my age. Um, and me and a woman, I think I got more discrimination being a woman than being Latina. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Because a lot of my people that I work with, they're not, they might not be my underneath me, but they're my, you know, um, same level. Right. Right. They just second guess what I say or they ask somebody else which is a guy when I actually give him the same answer um so that's tough that actually has been kind of recent within the last two years so sort of talk about how your parents maintain your cultural roots here in the U.S. and and you know like you mentioned you danced right Um, (laughs) and so like yeah tell us about about how your parents try to maintain the cultural roots here like with puro peru and now you have taken it to even bigger right to fundacion puro peru so oh yeah so i first started in the 90 91 when i came um they found this group called uh what's it right yeah. From the 90s. Right. Um, so there was a group of people my age, my just like me, who um, who danced. And out from there, I got hooked on it. So I was on it for good 10 years, 10 years of my life. I was in, in Puro Peru. I danced every dance I can think of. Oh, it's the dance And then... Um, and I think it created a bonding experience, a family that I didn't have because I had my parents, but I didn't have uncles. I didn't have cousins, you know, that second tier of family. Okay, Papa. That um, Puro Peru filled, filled for me. Um, till now, the people I dance with, I actually still, you know, hang out with. Um, they have their kids, just like I have them, you know, they get to know them and stuff. And then about, wait, what was it, five years ago. Okay. About five years ago, we had what we call like a reencuentro, you know, like a, a family reunion in a sense of all the dancers from, you know, from back in the 90s. And that brought a lot of nostalgia, right, of what Puro Puru used to be for me. Love the family aspect of it. So, and that led to Fundacion. So, Fundacion now is actually was founded by three other moms, like, just like me. Um, They're Peruvian moms. Um, So, we're Peruvian moms. Our husbands are from, not Peruvian, mine's Bolivian. Um, the other two are American, you know, gringos, um, husbands, mm-hmm. and where we feel that we have the responsibility of teaching our kids what a Peruvian culture is about. Mm-hmm. And Peruvian culture can be a lot of things, right? In my case, was the dance, right? With what I try to do with my, my sons is exposure, 
um, even though they're boys and yes, in a dancing group, you always need boys, right? There's always a lot of girls dancing, but they're never enough boys. Okay. Um, they're never boys, but I don't try to push them because I know I was pushed and I felt pressured. I just want him to be them to be exposed and then for them to to figure out what they want to do with it. Um, of course, we love the, the food, <laughs> Peruvian food. Yes, Baba. Um, so we try to cater our beds for Fundacion. Okay, go sit right here. Um, okay for kids, right? Because our kids are multicultural, right? They're not just Peruvians or right. Americans. Right. They're different. And even if it's just not Latinos, um, I like them to also be know about other cultures, like the mm -hmm. Indian culture, the, you know, European, anything that we also like to do. Like with my parents, I've never eaten sushi. Like I had no idea what that was. Mm -hmm. I learned how to eat sushi when I went to college. Right. Same here. And then I taught my sister, <laughs> right? So like I need that exposure and I want to provide that exposure to my kids. So we do our events okay, to teach about Peru I to other to other kids in a fun way, interactive way. And then we also, you know, we cater to the moms like us. Well, um, and where, you know, we're border like it's starting oh, millennials. Okay. And where, how do we manage teaching the culture when sometimes I don't feel I'm from here, but I'm I, not from I'm there, get ready to school. you know? So how um, do you define yourself now then if you're feeling sort of like in limbo, right? I'm not from here. I'm not from there. And how do you, how do you, your oldest now who's able to like, you know, who's older, who can think through it. How does he define himself? Like, you know, having a mom who's from Peru, a dad who's from Bolivia, but yet he was born here in the U.S. and he's American. You know, we asked him. I asked him that one time. And to him, and we also tell him, you know, I don't want you to feel that you have to be one or the other. Because in reality, yeah. you're not. And neither am I. Even though I was born in Lima, sometimes I'm not fully Peruvian. Because I, I grew up here. Most, majority of my year... My, my years here, it's been... Yeah, your formative years, I've been here, yeah. Yeah, so I can say I know the American culture better than Peru. It will be a shock, a, a great adaptment if I have to go back and live there, right? Um, and for him, he feels American with a mm -hmm. Peruvian-Bolivian ethnic background. I get it. Right? Um, we try to teach them a little bit of both. It's not a competition in our house. Like, oh, you have to be Peruvian all the time. Because it's unfair. Like, I wouldn't want him to be fully Bolivian and, okay, not, well, and not do that. Um, but it's hard. It's hard for him, especially with the language. He's not fluent in Spanish. No. Um, but he understands. All of my kids understand. He's taking Spanish classes. Um, okay, I'm in. And now, se le nace, right? Le nace que tiene, que quiere aprender él. No que yo le estoy obligando a aprender. Okay. And that's what I want. Have you traveled with them to Peru? I wanted to actually, honestly, this year, I wanted to take, I wanted to take him to, um, Cusco. Wait. Do the oh. whole thing, right? Um, but you know, COVID happened. <laughs> yeah, COVID threw um, everybody's plans. Yeah. 
So we do a lot of FaceTime or video conferencing with my family in Peru. They met my kids and stuff and they talked to him in Spanish, but I do want to take them. Yeah, but the other oh, ones boy. also want to. Look, me. Interested in trivia when it comes out. And we're, we're, we'll see if we, we, we see if we can. <laughs> You're not editing money now. I know, right? <laughs> I'll pitch in. <laughs> It's like we're gonna have to edit some of it, but no, I do. But I, but I do. I do want to. I, I also do. I mean, to be honest, I do want to keep like oh, you know because zombie, again, this is, this is yeah, this is real life. Yeah, and, this is reality. Yeah, and like moms, this is what moms have to work with, right? And so and yeah, so I do appreciate you managing managing all of this. Uh, I, I have girlfriends who have kids and they're going through a hard time now working oh, God, yes. with the kids. So yeah, no, so do not worry about it. No, it's hard. I, I it was it hit me hard when I had to stay home and I couldn't give them the attention they need. Because I have to be at work. And for some reason I felt like work was double. I don't know how all this work from home people got super productive that I have to be on top of my game at work. No, but then I, I was neglecting like, already Have you but, found a way to manage that or to balance that out? Wait, to something Did I manage it? Um so at least my little one still has his babysitter. So that helps. The other two I have my oldest to help out. But I also don't want to put that burden on him because it's not fair. Is he's not their parent, he's not their teacher, he's just their brother. But it's it's a work in progress. Not that school's starting. I can't. No idea. I, I'm gonna try to change my schedule to start earlier so I can get out earlier and be with them. But it's it fluctuates and I have to be flexible as anything because work has to get done. I have to, you know pay my bills but at the same time my kids need my attention not just in school but also as their parent I play game. so it's, I play it's gonna be interesting game. yeah no props to you I mean I, I, I can only imagine so um so it's similar to when you interview me uh we're gonna do rapid fire questions oh yeah yeah, yeah. what's a hot sea uh, rapid fire i, I named it all <laughs> you, you list all of them uh, but i'm calling it rapid fire questions and so it's similar to yours so i think you already have the answers to some of this oh so. yeah 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 okay plato peruano favorito oh i'm liking okay. ceviche now okay okay yeah can't go wrong with ceviche uh chicha morada and cacola chicha morada Algarrobina pisco sour. Pisco sour. Mazamorra morada, arroz con leche. Oh, no, combinado. Yeah, <laughs> you're the second person that said that. Hey, you got to have the rules. Okay. Why no festejo? Oh, mm. marinera, si quieres ponerle marinera. Oh, man. Because you so, dance all of them. <laughs> I've done all of them, right? But I think the one that comes naturally to me is... Yeah. Gonna be it's a it's a toss between wino and marinera. Okay, well you gotta teach me because I struggle. <laughs> <laughs> I struggle. Okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, talento o artista peruano preferido? Mm, 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 mm. So I I like okay, Marco. Mm -hmm. Right, he's cool. Um, I also like Evayon, so I'm very criolla. Okay, okay. Yeah, okay, I'm in. Um, y tu lugar okay. favorito en Perú? 
Oh. Oh man. Like like a like a special touristy thing or anywhere in Lima? Anywhere that's special to you. Mm. So I really love my grandparents' house. Great memories. And it, you know, it feels like home. Um, but touristy, I, I would have to say Cusco, you know, hands down. It was great when I went with my sister. Nice, nice. Um, and so what like message would you like to give to Peruvians and Peru who are listening to this? Because we do have some Peruvian Peruvians okay, and Peru okay. audience. And what would you like to say to the Peruvian immigrants that are here in the US? So the Peruvians in Peru, like aprendan a querer lo nuestro. Like we take it for granted over here, right? Um the food, it's your home. Going to visiting. Mommy. Yeah. So learn you know learn and travel i mean um you know i noticed peruvians spend all their savings but i eat al mundial right a Rusia. yeah great i would do i would have done it too but also spend that energy and time and learning about what peru can you know show us we're a very rich country and, oh. and we do take it for granted um the food itself i mean the ingredients are so different over here, right? So enjoy that, that you guys have that. Um, Peruvians here, immigrants here, oh man. I think the biggest thing for me is, um, that I notice myself is representing Peru. Um, like have you noticed my stories, I've already been the one Latina, right? So I'm always, I'm the Peruvian in the, in the, in the, in the room. Right, so I don't really outwork people, but I have to show to be the role model of what Peruvian looks like, right? They meet me and they're like, oh yeah, Peruvian chicken, you know, like, yes, I know, you love Peruvian chicken, got it, you know, but we're more to that, right? Right. Um, I've noticed that there are very few Peruvians, at least in my field, in at, um, the government, that, um, uh, we want that all of us to be embajadores, right? Be ambassadors of what Peru looks like and what a Peruvian represents. So always keep that in mind that we as Peruvians, even though there may be few of us in certain areas, we're always representing who we are. So, you know, act right. <laughs> our work ethic is like nonstop. I think our Peruvians were really hard workers um so that outshines other people which is great but always think that somebody is going to say oh son peruanos y así actúan y así trabajan y así se comportan so so, so yeah be, yeah <laughs> no, no thank you so much i think that's a wonderful message and i think that's something that now peruvians more than ever are realizing that we have a lot to be proud of we we also are ambassadors of our own country. Yeah. But, I I, but again, like as I said before, I applaud I you want. because you have always been that. And you have always been that even before it became popular, right? Like, so so again, I, you were a role model to me and I want to thank you for that. And, you know, like okay, I'm so glad that we reconnected and that you are, uh, you, um, wanted to come to this podcast and let me interview oh, you. Of I really appreciate it. And I hope that somebody could identify themselves with your story, 
with the lessons that you have shared. And so I just thank you so much, Sylvia, for everything that you've, you're doing and you keep doing uh, with Fundacion Puro Peru. And if there's any way that um, I can help, let me know. Um, and okay, also, if our audience wants to, you know, reach out to you, how can they reach out to you? Uh, oh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have uh, Instagram, Facebook, and I think they're all Silvia Arellana. I mean, I'll let you know. You can put it in the notes. Yeah, I'll put it in the notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but definitely, you know, I, I know there's a lot of moms like me. I think Fundacion Puro Peru is, is going to do bigger things, um, you know, as we finish up with COVID. Uh, we did get our official nonprofit designation, nice. which is a big deal. Yeah, that took three years to get that done. Like, you know, so we, we want, we want to expand that, you know, make bigger things for it. Um, and, and even just being in IT, anybody can reach me out and see how IT, and I want Latinas, like, mm -hmm. I mean, not just Peruvians, I want right. Latinas in, in this field, right? right? Um, because we need representation. We need that. Yes, it can be done. I mean, Granted, you know, engineering didn't work out for us, but hey, <laughs> there's this other field that works too. So right, right. thank you, Natalie, um, for having me. I think this is a great, great idea that you have for the podcast. It made me reflect on, you know, my, my story. And I'm pretty sure my story is not the only one that, is, that other people have had. So well, thanks, thank you for that. Well, thank you, it was nice to have you. No